the last couple of weeks on Wednesday night, we have been looking at things that can pollute our soul, that can poison our spirit, our minds, our hearts. We talked a little bit about detox, going through a cleansing. This is a great time of the year for that to happen. I hope that... uh, if you started a diet, you hadn't already gotten off of it. Because I'm still on mine. Somebody said they are on a seafood diet. When they see food, they eat it. But there are things that seep into our lives. I talked about a well that affected our family years ago. We didn't even know what was going on, but seeping into that well were toxic things that caused my mother and the family enough trouble that we had to move, we had to relocate. Now, I don't think you have to relocate to fix the problem, but I do think we have to look at some things. Last week I talked to you about the toxin of sin And we should never, ever, never, ever change our definition of sin from what the Word says to what the world says. Never, never. I have always been astonished by Scripture in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 10. If you could throw that up on the screen real quick, I I had meant to tell them. 1 John chapter... 1 and verse 10, John is writing about the issue of sin, and this is how he concludes the first chapter. He said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Now, my interpretation of that is this. If what we do in life We don't call sin, but He does. We're actually calling God a liar. That's what that verse means. That's how serious it is. So I don't care what the world okays. I don't care what they condone. I don't care what they change. If this word says thou shalt not, it's a good thing to live by that principle. Amen. Everybody said amen. Tonight we're going to go a little further. Perhaps one of the most important things I'm going to talk to you about uh, in in all of this year or any past year is something that I feel like is very critical to us tonight. I will take you to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4 and 5. We're going to start there. And I will tell you, this is Bible study night. And so you need to keep your Bible handy because we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures because I don't want you to think that it's just me talking or he's gotten a hold of some book and he's just spouting out what somebody else wrote. I want you to understand that this is what the Word says. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 reads like this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal They are not fleshly. They are not human. But mighty through God to the pulling down 
of strongholds. Now, what are those strongholds that he's talking about? He goes on and explains in verse number 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing these weapons have the, the ability to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now I want to read it from the Living Bible. I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men, to knock down the devil's strongholds. These weapons can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built to keep men from finding him. With these weapons, I capture rebel I capture rebels and bring them back to God and change them into men whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. And what were those rebels? Your thoughts. Your imaginations. No. From the NCV version. He said, we fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strongholds. We destroy people's arguments and every proud thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. We capture every thought. I say every thought. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. Wow. Amen. Now, I don't think there's a person in this building tonight that does not struggle with what I'm going to talk to you about for a little while and do not at times battle issues of the mind. I think all of us are subject at times to toxic thoughts. All of us. No exception, myself included. And so I'm going to talk to you for a little while about getting rid of those toxic thoughts. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The mind is an amazing thing. It has and gives us the capacity to... Imagine to solve problems, to store, to remember, to recall information, and even to speak. According to those who study the human body, they will tell you that the mind controls your body temperature, your blood pressure, your heart rate, and your breathing. Your mind. Everybody say my mind. My mind controls all of that. The mind accepts on a continual second by second uh, time in your life a flood of information about the world around it through various means such as seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and touching. And it handles 
your physical movements, your mind does, so that you are able to walk and talk and stand and sit. The reason that you have been able to worship tonight is because your mind has enabled you to do that. Amen. All of our tasks are coordinated and they are controlled and regulated by the organ that is about the size of a small head of cauliflower. Amen. Some of you think you have a big head, but you don't. Cauliflower is not very big. I want to show you the power of the human mind, and I was blown away. I, I've heard about this stuff, but I finally got on YouTube, and I started looking at some of the information that's available. But there is a new technology, it's cutting edge, that has come in the recent years, and some of our young people are probably much more aware of it than us elders, but it's called emotive EEG technology. It's a new wave of biotechnology that uses a person's thoughts and brain waves to move things and do incredible achievements. A guy by the name of Tan Lee and his associates began, I think, in 2003 in Australia, a company who began to pull together all of the research on the human mind. And they took that research and they began to dissect it and they were able to capture the power of the mind in a device that can fit on your head. And by way of your thoughts, you can literally move objects. If you don't believe it, just go to YouTube and type in uh, emotive EEG technology and there's all kinds of videos that will pop up. The object is that the most unbelievable actions can be performed through simple thought. That you can think and you can move a remote control car or you can think and you can move a wheelchair or someone that is handicapped will be able to do the task that they are unable to do right now simply by power of what goes on between your ears. It's amazing when you see the, 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 the uh, EEG, uh, I don't know, the spectrograph, whatever they call that, of the actions that are going on in the brain at any one second. It is almost mind-boggling. All that goes on in your mind and your head at one time, and it's all orderly, and it goes in the same direction at most of the time it does. And so they've been able to harness this. And they've developed a headset that you can put on and they begin to study the way you think and the way that you look at things and the way you react to things. And they capture all of those brain movements and then they put them in to the computer technology. You can put that headset on and if there's a remote control car that's sequenced with your headset, you can move that car by simply thinking. That's amazing. It's scary. It is mind-boggling is what it is. It simply shows the enormous power that the mind and your thoughts have. 
And they've been able to capture it. Science has harnessed those thoughts to move things. Wheelchair, helicopters. They even have now spy drones that are being manipulated by a man's mind. Amazing. Your brain is an integrated information system processing and controlling things that affect your life on an everyday basis. Your mind. According to medical science, what we think affects us physically and emotionally. You say, well, those thoughts don't bother me. Oh, yes, they do. Medical science says that 75 to 95% of all illnesses that plague us today are the direct result of our thought life. Let me say that again. 75 to 90% of all of the illnesses that plague the human life right now are a product of our thought life. They're not Christians. They've just discovered what goes on in your mind affects everything there is about you. Medical science has found that toxic thoughts cause the following illnesses. Cancer, diabetes, asthma, skin problems, and allergies, just to name a few. And the list goes on and on. All because of toxic thoughts. Thoughts that have been polluted, that have been misled or misshaped by events or things that have happened to us. We suffer from an epidemic of toxic emotions in the day in which we live. And through uncontrolled thought life, we create conditions for illness and sickness in our body. According to medical science, researchers say that fear alone, just fear by itself, when it shows up in your life, triggers more than 1,400 known physical and chemical responses in your body, and it activates more than 30 hormones, 30 different hormones in your body when fear shows up. That's amazing. Medical research increasingly points to the fact that thinking and consciously controlling your thought life is probably... The best way to detox your brain, control it, get a rein on it. Understand that you control your thoughts. Your thoughts do not control you. And some of us don't get that tonight. Because some of us are tormented by our thoughts. And we allow our thoughts to control us, how we react, how we interact, how we get along, whether we're happy or sad, whether we're up or down. All of it is a triggered mechanism that goes on in the mind. Amen. Amen. It's a little deeper tonight than what some of us might have wanted. The mind allows you, when you go through this detoxing, 
to get rid of toxic thoughts and emotions that come from those thoughts. And that's, the, that's what I'm going to talk about next week is toxic emotion because toxic thoughts produce toxic emotions. But tonight we're going to focus on changing our way of thinking is essential if we want to cleanse our mind and our hearts. And they say, scientists say, medical scientists say, consciously controlling your thought means not letting thoughts rampage in your mind. According to the expert, it means learning to engage every thought that comes through your mind and to analyze whether you decide it is either good or bad, you accept it or reject it. But I want to tell you something. Much further back than what modern science goes, the Bible already talked about that. Amen. Long before medical science even began to look at this, and as far as I know and understand, the the study of the brain waves of the human mind did not begin in earnest until the late 1800s. And so way before that, this book establishes over and over again how powerful, how how uh, anointed or how cursed your thoughts can be and what they can do to your life. No wonder the psalmist David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My mind is a marvelous thing. Such is found in the Word of God about the mind and thoughts that you would exhaust a day of just sitting down to read the Scriptures that speak of that. That's why the wise man Solomon, when writing the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 23, says that we are to carefully guard your thoughts, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of your thoughts spring the issues of life. Now the word spring is an important word to consider because it conveys the idea of something under pressure like an artesian well. The reason that that well bubbles up without any help is because there's pressure somewhere that's forcing that to come to the surface. And so when we have thoughts, they present a force on our lives that push our emotions and, and our feelings to directions that are either good or bad. Amen. Amen. So there are things that work to influence me, and I need to be aware of that. My thoughts are more impacting than any of us even realize. That's why God was concerned about our thoughts, and he inspired the wise man to again say that as a man thinketh, So is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. You are your thoughts. Just like you are what you eat. You are what you listen to. You are what you read. You are what you expose yourself to. You are what you connect to. 
You say, oh, no, I'm just curious. No, sir. It's not curiosity. It's an identity. And the reason that people move in certain direction is because there's something in their thinking that cohabitates with that particular idea or thought. So the wise man said, it is important that you understand that as you think, as you allow your thoughts to go along, that's what you are going to become. That's more than just positive thinking. That's the Word of God. That was long before Norman Vincent Peale or whatever Nightingale, any of those people ever began to speak about the power of positive thinking. The Word of God declares that what goes on between our ears is more important than what goes on in the United Nations and in the Congress of the United States. And toxic thoughts and toxic thinking compromise my life. They jeopardize. The thoughts, the toxic thoughts that come can load my life down with trouble. They're deadly. They are deadly. When I allow my thoughts to turn in a negative way or I allow my thoughts to not just turn that way but stay that way, There is a toxicity that comes out of that. It bubbles up. It seeps into my life. And it begins to affect my relationships. It affects my faith. It affects everything about my spiritual life because it has an influence over me that's more powerful than I even understand. They can imprison us. That's why Paul was writing to the Corinthians, said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So that you can bring every thought into captivity. There is something going on between our ears tonight. It's a battleground. Your mind is a battlefield. And we have to learn how to win the battle of our mind. If we're going to win the battle of our life. Amen. Somebody say amen. Strongholds that build up in our mind can take us prisoner. And I've seen a lot of people sitting on church pews that are prisoners of their toxic thoughts. And this is what your toxic thoughts do. They make you miserable. And they make everybody around you miserable as well. Now I'm not here making fun of you because I'm talking about me as well. Every one of us struggle with this. Every one of us battle this. Toxic thoughts depress me. They discourage me. They defeat me. They actually disable me from being everything that God designed me to be. Amen. Thoughts like, well, I'm just a loser or I'm no good or I'm just a, I'm an accident. You know, sometimes I've heard parents say about their kids, oh, he was an accident. That's a great thing, legacy, to pass on to your kid that they were an accident. Now you think it's humorous, but somewhere down the line, that thought's going to pop back up in their mind. When they encounter something that challenges who they are, there's going to be that reoccurring thought that comes back that you're just an accident. You weren't planned. We weren't... We, and you know what? There's some things that we might know, but we might not ought to speak. Amen. People say, they look in the mirror and they say, I'm ugly or 
I'm, 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 I'm to this or I'm to that. And we live in a world that's constantly trying to change its image, thinking if they can change their outer image, they can change something internally that nobody can see. But it doesn't matter what you do to the outside of your body. You cannot change what's going on on the inside. You've got to change the inside before the outside's ever going to get the message. Amen. Amen. John Ogilvy used to pastor a Presbyterian church in Hollywood, California. He had a lot of celebrities that came to his church. And one day a very popular woman who was very well known in the community of Hollywood came to him. And she was utterly depressed. She was in tears. And he thought maybe her husband had cheated or left her or something had happened. Somebody had died. And she sat down in his office and she began to talk to him and, and just pour out her troubles. She said, I've, I've had a lot of cosmetic surgery in my life. And he said, I, I looked at her and I didn't have to be told that. And I went in recently for an upgrade. And the doctor set me down before I left and he said, ma'am, I need to tell you something. What I have done for you today will not last you more than five years at max if it lasts that long. You mean I paid $100,000 for something that's not even going to last five years? He said, that's right. Because if you don't change something on the inside of you, if you don't get a soul lift, your facelift isn't going to last. That's a medical doctor. Amen. So it's internal. It has to be inside. And what goes on in here is something that affects all of us. And it makes us miserable. It defeats us. It puts us down. I have never seen a toxic thought build anybody up. Make them feel good about themselves. Make them feel better about where they are. No, none whatsoever. The list of negative things that we say to ourselves are countless. I don't even have time to make a list, but you, you can start it right now. What are negative things we say to ourselves? I'm a loser. I'm no count. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. You know, there's some words that you start hearing come up in your vocabulary like no and never and always. You need to listen to yourself. You need to record your conversation and go back and listen to yourself. Because when you start throwing those words and injecting no, not, never, always, there's a good indication that something is happening in your mind that is throwing stuff into your spiritual system that is debilitating to you. It is not going to make you better. It's not going to bring you closer to God. It's going to drive you farther away. It's not going to bring you closer to people. It's going to isolate you. It's going to make you more lonely and more uh, distant and, and leave you feeling like nobody understands where I'm coming from. Amen. Toxic thoughts, toxic thinking can keep you from walking in what God has already given you. I'm going to prove this to you. You hear me. I want you to listen. Toxic thinking can keep you from walking in what God has already given you. Not going to, but already. How many of you remember a guy named Jacob in the Old Testament? Conniver, weasel, cheater, liar, 
he was a he was a pretty bad dude. His own family, his own brother, all the things that he did, the running, the hiding. Finally, his life has gone so long that he reaches a point in life where he realizes, I've got to have a change in my life. And so he's going back home. He's been away from home. He left there to get away from Esau because he felt like Esau was going to kill him. So he's on his way home. And he hears that Esau's coming to meet him. And it scares him half to death. And so he divides his family up. He sends some of them over. He, he postures himself so that he can save something. And then the Bible says he was alone. And that night, an angel wrestled with him. Now, you hear me. Jacob did not wrestle with the angel. The Bible said, go read your Bible. The Bible says the angel wrestled with Jacob. Because God realized that if we don't get this out of him, his life is never going to change no matter what I say about him. And so the angel wrestled with him to the break of the day. And he was a harder nut to crack than it seemed. And finally at the morning, the angel said, let me go. And all of a sudden, there was a transition. There was a shift. And Jacob realized If I'm going to ever be a different man, it's got to start right here. And the Bible says that that wrestling match changed. And instead of that angel wrestling with him, he began to wrestle with that angel. And he held on. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Isn't that strange that he would pray that prayer? I will not let you go until you bless me. That's in Genesis, I think, 28. Now, if you go back to Genesis 22... Genesis, no, no, that was in chapter 32. You go back to chapter 28. 13 and 14 of 28. 22 years before this wrestling match, God had already declared that he was blessed. 22 years. God had put a blessing over him. God had given him favor, but because of what was going on up here, that he was allowing to affect everything about his life, he ran from it, he tried to hide from it, he connived, he cheated, he did everything he could to try to advance his cause. And there, late in his life, he finally comes to a point where he realized, I can't keep living like this. And he starts praying for something that God already gave him. Now, how did that happen? Because of what goes on right here? Study Jacob's life and tell me it's not true that Jacob wrestled with some bad thoughts. He was not favored of his father. For one thing, his dad favored his brother Esau. And so his mother tried to make up for that by pampering him. And all she did was make a mama's boy out of him. Amen. And so he goes through life with this distorted concept of who he was because his dad didn't treat him properly. Esau didn't treat him like he should have treated him. He didn't treat him like a son should have been. He favored Esau 
And he didn't seem to give regard to Jacob. And so Jacob grows up with this image of himself that I'm not good enough, my dad doesn't like me, and all of these things are going on in his mind. And even though God had told him, you're going to be blessed, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm putting my blessing on you right now. He lived 22 years trying to find God's hand on his life. You know what I'm telling you? There are people in this church and churches all over this town that have been living for God for 40 years or 20 years or 15 years and you're still trying to pursue God's blessing. Pursue something that God's already given you. But somehow in our mind, our mind's convinced us that we don't have it or we can't have it or we're not good enough or we're not this enough. You know what needs to happen tonight? We need to stop worrying about what life is saying about us and start listening to what God is saying about What does this book have to say about who I am and what I am? I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am His. I am an overcomer. I am a conqueror. All of those things can be found in God's Word concerning me. Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. What are they? Well, I'm going to exact every ounce I can get out of you. No. What does it say? I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Thoughts of peace and not harm. To do you good and to give you an expected end or a desirable conclusion to your life. Amen. Amen. Say thoughts. Toxic thoughts are costing all of us a lot of things tonight. Our thinking can prevent us from walking with what God has already given us and declared us already to be. Amen. If our thoughts are twisted, we can be blessed and be unable to enjoy the blessings because of what's going on in our mind. And there's a factor that goes along with that. And the reason that we have such a struggle is because there's a dual nature in you. There is a flesh and there is a spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 and 6 talks about the differences between the flesh. The flesh, the carnal mind is enmity with God. The flesh, the carnal thinking it's antithesis to what God is saying. But that voice speaks in you all the time. That carnal side of you, that fleshly side of you, that unworthy side of you is in constant war with the spiritual side of me that's trying to reach out and take hold of what God says and embrace that and believe it. And if you read Romans 8, 5 and 6, you will understand that there is literally a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And winning the physical battle means controlling the spiritual battle. What's going on in your mind? One of the greatest stumbling blocks to our spiritual growth emerges when we get stuck in toxic thinking and there is a trinity of toxic I'm just going to call them categories, all right? Because I can't numerate all of them. But there's three things, I believe, that are the source of toxic thinking. Number one is the negative stuff. Negative. Negative. It's like a virus on a computer. Once it gets in, 
It begins to work its way through the hard drive until it affects everything on that computer and it will not function to its full capacity because there's something wrong with the logic. Amen. That's one of the first lessons I learned about computers is you've got to be careful where you go, what you download, what you visit because there's... There's nitwits out there that they're looking for people that they can contaminate. And they just inject that in. And you don't even know it. That's what happened to the Clinton campaign with the hackers. It came like a good email. You need to be careful of good emails. You need to make sure the source. But it looked like a legitimate email. And when they downloaded it, it loaded a virus onto all of their software so that they could monitor and track things that were being said and exchanged. And it embarrassed the fool out of them. Amen. Like it ought to. But that's what happens when we allow negative things, thoughts to control our mind. When we allow our thoughts to... The Romans 2 and 15 says that your thoughts either accuse you or they excuse you. They either say you're accepted or they say you're rejected. Your thoughts do. That's not Hughes. That's not Norman Vincent Peale. That's the Lord speaking. He said your thoughts either accuse you or they excuse you. In in Luke chapter 6 verse 37, he talks about our thoughts and he lists three things there that affect all of us. Number one is judgmental thinking. Number two is condemning thoughts. And number three is unforgiving thoughts. Amen. James chapter 3, verse 11, 14, and 15. You ought to read it. Throw it up. I don't, can you get that up? James chapter uh, 3, verse 11. I told you it's Bible study night. Some of you look like you're shell-shocked already. But our thoughts are affecting us more than we want to admit it. And what we need this year is for something to happen that will wash, begin to wash out those toxic things that are affecting our spirituality and begin to fill our mind with the things that will build us up and make us what God says we can be. He said, Doth the fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can it? No. All right, go down to verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, the other word for hearts is mind or thoughts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom or this kind of thinking descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish for where there is envying and strife both of those are emotions they're not necessarily action strife can be but its root is an emotion both of those the root of that he said where there is envying and strife there is confusion and every evil work That right there will preach. 
your thoughts. And when you let those kind of thoughts control you, not, you I'm not saying that a negative thought comes and you're, you're, you're condemned. Everybody has negative thoughts. But just because a bird flies over your head doesn't mean you let it build a nest in your hair. And there's not a one of us that's not had some kind of thought come our way. And we wonder, where in the world did that come from? But you don't open the door and let it come in. You just let it pass on by. Because only when you open the door does it begin to have an effect on you. Amen. And so that's why when Paul was writing to the Philippians, this is what he said in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He said, In nothing be anxious or worried or stressed. Negative. Thinking, thinking that the worst is going to happen. That I'll never get through this. That I can't do this. That I'm not qualified to do this. When you allow that to happen, something goes on in your spiritual life that is detrimental to who God wants you to be. And so he said, in nothing be anxious. In nothing be worried. Don't let anything stress you or fret you out. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall guard your what? Hearts and your mind or thoughts in Christ Jesus. Amen. Don't let that negative, whatever it is, don't let it in. Don't. Go through your vocabulary and take out those words. No, not, never. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Can't. Don't know how. You say, well, I really don't know. Well, you'd be surprised at what you can do if you try. Amen. Now, the second one of this trinity of evil are thoughts that are untrue. So you have negative thoughts, which consist of a number of things I don't have time to go into. Then you have untrue thoughts. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. What happened in Genesis 3? Well, you've got to go back to 2 and understand what God did first. He created a world, and he put a man and a woman in there, and he said, have dominion, rule this. This is your domain. You can do anything you want to do, but don't eat of one tree. You can have the tree of life, but don't eat of the tree of good and evil because the day you do, you're going to die. So chapter 3 dawns and there's this serpent comes slithering in and he begins to have a conversation with Eve. So what what does serpent do? What does he do? He takes what God said and he begins to gently massage it. Can you throw up Genesis 3, then 1, 2, 4? We're going to need several verses, but Genesis 3. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, 
Did God really say this? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God really say that? So he begins to plant a question in her mind about what she already knew. Verse number 2. And the woman said in the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Verse 3. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it. And then she added this little touch. God didn't say this. She said it. Neither shall you touch it. God just said, If you eat it, you'll die. Lest you die. Verse number 4. And the serpent said unto the, de- to the woman, You shall not surely die. Not surely die. And, he, and this, is, this is where you and I have got to be so careful because the devil hardly ever comes to us with a blatant, ball-faced lie. But he takes something that we know and he begins working on it. Massaging it, turning it, so that you begin to look at it in a different way than God wanted you to look at it. And so now he's saying, you shall not surely die. I mean, you may die, but not surely die. Verse number five. It's up there. I'm just not reading far enough. For... (laughs) For God doth know. Now he goes a step further now. He takes this thing to another dimension. Because he he knows more than, he, he knows as much as God knows. God knows that when you do that, that you'll become like God. And that's why he doesn't want you eating that. Well, what is the tree of life anyway? But a partaking of what God is. They could eat it. Nowhere in the Bible do we read that they ever actually did, but they could have. As a matter of fact, I don't believe they ever did eat of it, even though it was their option to eat. Because after the sin, God put an angel there to guard that so they would never be able to come by it again. And then he started the plan of redemption in motion so that he could bring us back to that tree through an old rugged tree. Mm Mm-hmm. But you see how the devil takes something and he begins to work on it until it becomes a lie. And so we begin to believe things that are not true about ourselves, about life, about other people. And that untruth affects us in such a way that we become discouraged, we, we, we get despondent, we feel like giving up, and there are many people who are held hostage by toxic lies. Amen. Lies that started out as just a massaging of what was true. Amen. And then the third avenue, the third part of this trinity of evil is impure thoughts, unclean thoughts. 1 Corinthians six eighteen. And 19 says, shun immorality and all sexual looseness. Flee from impurity in thought, word, or deed. 
Any other sin which a man commits is one outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body, which indicates that all of that, before it becomes a physical act, is first a mental act. It goes on in the mind. Do not do you not know that your body, everybody say my body? My, come on, let's say it like we believe that. My body is the temple. It is the very sanctuary of the Holy Ghost who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God. You are not your own, but you are bought with a price. I could give you many other scriptures, but Job 31 1 talks about not putting anything evil before your eyes. You need to be careful what you allow your mind to see and what you allow your mind to dwell on. Now, those three things, those three areas, they produce four children. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a freaky family, but it's, it's, there's a trilogy of things that produce four children. Number one, they produce pessimism. They produce chronically negative thoughts. Not just the negative, but a way of continually looking at life in a negative tone. The glass is half empty. Amen? Words, like I mentioned a while ago, don't. No, never, always, not show up often in our vocabulary when pessimism is around. Amen. Number two, the the second child is anxiety or fearful and worried thoughts. We stress out about things that don't even exist. Amen. We imagine things. That's why Paul said... This, these weapons, they get hold of your imagination because your imagination is what gets you in trouble. It's what gets me in trouble. It's what I imagine. Well, they said something. Well, you don't know that they said that. It's just you're, you feel that. Well, how do you know? Well, I just feel that. They don't like me. How do you Did they tell you? That? No, I just feel that. I just, every time I get around them, these vibes I get. Could it be that those vibes are coming from you, not from them? Oh, yeah, this isn't, this isn't about the bush. This is the bush. Amen. Anxiety, fearful and worried thoughts. We get stressed out. We get bent out of shape about all kinds of stuff. And I'm not mean that people don't fear or worry at times, but I'm saying people that just let that worry take root and we let it just take off and begin to... Control our thoughts and our thinking. And then the third child is bitterness. Now, bitterness is not just envious of somebody's well-being or somebody else's advantage. Bitterness is discontent. It's just being unhappy no matter where you are or what you've got. I mean, you could be kissed with the dew of heaven. And you'd still tell God it was the wrong cheek. (laughs) 
discontented thoughts. Man, you can clean the house up. You can make it spick and span. And a discontented spirit walks in and they would find a frog's hair in a corner of the darkest room in your house. They come in looking for what's wrong. That just goes all over me, folks. I can't help it. Maybe it's just my personality. But when people walk in and they start immediately seeing what's wrong, you need to change your thinking. You need to get a new mindset. I don't that, that's my personality. I don't care what we blame it on. The fact is that kind of thinking is what gets us in trouble. That's what causes us to be sick spiritually. That's what gets us discouraged and down is because we've let that toxic stuff seep in. We didn't mean it just seeped in. And so we come in looking for something to be wrong. My mom used to be one of those people. Bless her departed soul. She had eyes in the back of her head. When we were kids, we couldn't do anything and get by with it. And I guess she just always suspicioned us that if she left the house, something was going to go wrong. One day we were playing. Mom had gone to town. Me and my sister Margaret. James, I think, was in the house somewhere. We didn't get left all alone. We were not totally home alone, but as, as a sister and brother do, we got to scuffling, pushing, shoving, and fighting, and wrestling, and we knocked over one of mom's potted plants. I mean, it spilled out on the floor. didn't break, but all the dirt was on the floor. The, the ivy was, was laid out on the floor, and man, we panicked. So we scooped it up. We put the pot back in its place. We took all the dirt, put it back in, packed it down, swept all the remains, and we thought, man, this is cool. We got it covered. And when my mother walked in the door, she didn't say one word until she got halfway across the room and she turned and she said, y'all knocked over my plant. I'm not lying. That's exactly what happened. And that's the way some people go through, that's the way some of us go through life. We look at everything that's against us. I want to I want to tell you to do something. I want you to go home and on a piece of paper, I want you to write down 20 things that you're good at. Now, you know what? Some of you are going to have a hard time because you don't think you're good at anything. But the truth is, every one of us are good at something. And if you just start writing down what you can do and quit focusing on what you can't do, you'd probably get some of those can't done's done. done. <laughs> can't do's done. That's the way you say it. <laughs> can you edit that part? Amen. Everybody put your fingers right here. What goes on right here? Is more important than any of us understand. That's why we have to guard that. That's why we have to put a sentinel. We have to put a watchdog at the gate. We can't just let anything vagrant come in. We don't. You don't do that at your house. You don't just let some stranger walk up to your door, knock, say, "Come," and just walk right in. 
That's why most of us lock our doors because we want to make sure nobody. But even if we didn't lock our doors, if somebody walked in that we didn't know or we didn't trust, we don't open the door and say, come on, bring all your trash with you. Bring all your toxins with you. We put a, and that's what, what the word is telling us. Put a watchdog, put a, a guard on your thinking. Put something, a sentinel up there so that when those thoughts, you can determine, do I want to accept that or do I reject that? Do I let that into my life or do I send it on its way? That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, he goes on to say that we should govern our thoughts, monitor our thoughts. Verse number 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report. Six criteria by which you should judge all of your thoughts right there. Six of them. And I wrote them down and I put them, typed them, and I left them in my office. I'll try to have to remember them from memory in a minute. But here's an amazing thing that I discovered in my research. Science has discovered that our brain composition is the same. You may not think that, but it is. Our brain composition is the same. Whether we are a negative person or whether we are a happy person. Now, a lot of early research thought that the mind of someone who was negative and always uh, dark and morose, their mind was somehow limited. But when they began to study the mind, they discovered that the mind, the matter, all that was there was the same whether you were positive or negative in your outlook on life. It's how you choose to use what's between your ears. That determines what we are. Mm-hmm. No one is hardwired to be a loser. No one is hardwired to be negative. No one is hardwired to be depressed. It's something that we allow ourselves to slip into because we do not govern the thoughts of our mind. We do not police what we allow to come in and out, what we allow to speak to us and tell us what we are, what we're not, or do in our life. And when we do not put a guard there, it affects all of our life. And I've got to, my time is out. When you get into a certain pattern of thinking, according to neuroscience, you begin to wire your mind in that direction. In my vocabulary, you begin to, Put a rut in your mind. That when you allow your mind to go down this certain avenue, whether it's fear or worry or, or, or anger or bitterness or strife or all of the other toxic things that go out of us or come out of us, that when we allow ourselves to keep thinking that way, we begin to groove our mind so that when thoughts come, They just slip down into that groove. And it doesn't matter what the the purpose in the beginning was or the intent. When they get in that groove, they're stuck. 
That's why it's so hard to change your mind because you have got to reroute your thoughts. You've got to reroute your thinking. You've got to rewire your mind. And you do that through the Word of God and through prayer and by faith. Those are the weapons that God gave us that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That's why the Word of God is not just a book to lay on your desk at night. It is something to read and consume because this Word, according to Ephesians, this Word washes our mind. We are washed by the Word. How do you get dirt out of your clothes? Do what? You wash it. Why do you wash it? Because you don't want to wear dirty clothes. And the same thing goes for our mind. We have to learn how to take the Word and let it wash us. And when we read it, and when we hear it preached, and when we meditate on it, it does something to us. It reminds us, first of all, of what He has said about us. Not what we're saying about ourselves. Not what our circumstances are saying about us. Not what people are saying about us. Not what life might be saying. But what does He have to say about me? He says that I'm His. That I'm chosen. That I'm redeemed. That I'm forgiven. That I'm worthy. Oh, get this one. He says I am accepted. Everybody say that with me. Say that word, accepted. I am accepted. You know what that means? That means even if this sweet, lovely girl right here doesn't accept me, he does. Even if you don't accept me, he does. So what are you going to do? You're going to go through life because one or two people don't accept you, feeling like you're unworthy or you're just a piece of trash and, that's, and, and because of that, you let your mind get down in that rut and it just takes you deeper and deeper into depression and fear and anxiety and worry and thoughts of doing things to your body or to your life that are not godly. Amen. I, y'all stand. I've got to shut up. I'm not even through yet. This is what I want to say to everybody here tonight. You can be blessed with a good family, a good job, a fine house, and still be unhappy, still be sad, still be angry, still be discontented if you do not guard your mind. I don't have time to go into all of them, but... There's a few things that, that God pointed out to me that I've read and I've read over again. But one of them I've got to leave with you before I let you go. In Acts chapter 26 and verse number 2, Paul makes this statement. He said, I think myself happy. I've read that scripture I don't know how many times. I've even preached from it from this pulpit. I think myself happy. But I never understood what that word meant until today. The word that Paul uses for think in this particular verse means to lead, to direct, to guide. 
he is saying is, I've taken control of my thoughts. They're not going to take control of me. And I have to lead my thoughts toward what's good. I have to get my whip out every once in a while and crack it and say, oh no, you're not going that way. I got to pull on the reins. The Bible said, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what he meant was, in that day, all of the men, they wore these flowing garments that went all the way to their feet, men and women. But when they got in a hurry, they had a robe around their waist. They would wrap that robe between their legs and make kind of like breeches out of it so they could run unencumbered. And, and, and the writer said, gird up the loins of your mind. You've got to do that to your thoughts because they'll run everywhere. They'll trip you up. They'll cause you to fall. They'll take you down. But you've got to learn how to gird. You've got to reach out and get hold of it and say, oh, hold on a second. Can I? Time. Okay, here's what he said. Whatsoever things are true. This is the first question when thoughts come to your mind. You need to ask yourself, is it true? Say that with me. Is it true? And I've got another part to that. Even if it is true, doesn't mean you have to speak it. Because there are some things that are true about my life right now. But if I stay where God wants me to be in a week or two, they're not going to be true about me then. That if I keep walking with God, things that may not be right in my life right now will be right down the road a little bit. So is it true? The second thing that you ask, not only is it true, but... Is it honest? Is it worthy of my thoughts? Is it worthy for me to even consider? And when I think about that, Brother Eddie, I'm wondering, well, what's the source of it? Where did it come from? Did it come from the serpent? Or did it come from his word? Now, if his word says that, I better be obedient to it. But if it doesn't come from there, I need to ask, is it worthy? The, second, the third thing is, is it just? Is it equitable? Is it righteous? Is it going to help make me more like him? Or is it going to pull me away from him? All right? The next one is, whatsoever things are pure. Is it clean? If it's not clean, kick it out. And I don't mean just vulgar thoughts. I mean bad thoughts about other people. If it's clean, let it stay. If it's unclean, make it leave. You know, one of the things that I have learned about humanity is just because you don't feel like something is wrong or you don't think something is wrong doesn't make it not wrong. 
I had a lot of people say, well, Brother Hughes, I just don't have a conviction. That doesn't mean that what you're doing is all right. It just means that you have a lack of understanding about what God might be saying about your life or my life. He said, whatsoever things are lovely. What's lovely? What, what builds up? What makes better? Are, is this going to build me up? Or does it tear me down? When you think thoughts like, you know what, I blew it again. What is that? How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel like jumping through a, 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 a troop and leaping over a wall? Does that make you feel like jumping up in the morning and saying, Thank God He made me like I am. No, it doesn't. So if it doesn't make you feel better or it doesn't lift you up, you might ought to discard it. And whatsoever things are of good report. Now, I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning. Even if it's true and it's not going to benefit, you don't need to think it. You say, well, I heard some gossip about somebody. I heard some stuff scuttlebutt around the church about so-and-so. You know what? Even if you did, it's not something that you ought to be talking about. You ought to be praying for them, not talking about it. Amen. Everybody say my mind. I need it washed. I need, to, I, I need some toxins washed out. And you know what? We can act like we're holy as we want to act, but I know full well because of, of what I battle in my own life. My thoughts are what trouble me more than anything else in my life, and they are the things that do more to harm me spiritually than anything else I know of. And the reason some of us are afraid or some of us are, 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 are going, you know, we're, we're discouraged or despondent is because we have allowed those thoughts to take such a negative end. And we've allowed them to run in that, that uh, rut for so long that we think that's just the way we are. And that's not the way we are. That's not what God created me to be. I am His workmanship. I am created in Christ Jesus. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make throwaways. Amen. God cleanse my mind. Cleanse my thoughts. Say it with me one more time. God cleanse my mind. Cleanse my thoughts. Purge it. Wash it. Amen. Help me to begin to see myself as you see me and begin to embrace those things in Jesus name everybody said amen amen Amen. we're on a journey praise God sometimes it gets a little tough sometimes it gets a little tough we're going to get through it amen Lord prepare to be a sanctuary